people today. Even though many of the rules have been adapted to local conditions, as Benedict asked that they should be. In every generation, monks and nuns bring together the realities of their day and the wisdom of the rule in a new fusion born of contemporary experience. This fusion is the energy that enables monasteries to continue to be places of sanctuary today as they have been for centuries. And that sanctuary can be recreated in the hearts of all people of goodwill. If you are looking for sanctuary in your life, then Benedict invites you into that place of peace with the opening words of his rule. Listen carefully, child of God, to the Master's instructions and attend to them with the ear of your heart. He was a man of holy life, Saint Benedict, blessed in Introduction Why did you become a monk? I'm asked this question so often, and it's not easy to answer. I imagine it's roughly equivalent to being asked to explain why you married your spouse. The person asking might want to know your views on marriage, why didn't you just live together? Or it could be that they want to know why you married this particular person rather than another. Or it might be part of a discussion about your recent divorce. Each situation requires a different answer. Similarly, I have offered various answers for various contexts. But the answer I really want to give is, I don't know. I don't know why I became a monk, because the reason I joined is not the reason I stayed. I joined thinking I could save the world by being a monk. I stayed because the monastery became the place where I discovered my own need to be saved. Before I could offer sanctuary, I had to find it. My personal story, like everybody's, has some ordinary and some extraordinary elements. The extraordinary element is that I was born in Australia to Australian parents with no English connections but following my father's appointment to be managing director of an Australian company based in England, we emigrated to England, along with my three elder brothers, when I was still a baby. The ordinary element is that I was a cradle Catholic, went to a Catholic school run by monks who were both able and kind, and then went on to university pretty uneventfully. While at university, I knew that I did not want to follow in the footsteps of my father and brothers and go into business. Thanks to the ministry of some fine university chaplains, I found myself led to regular meditation and to working with those on the margins of society, in particular travellers. Through a series of chance encounters, I found myself staying at Worth and realising that the monastic life here contained all the elements of life that animated me as well as some inspiring monks. Did Christ call me? Of course. Did he leave me a voicemail? Of course not. If you want to pinpoint a moment when he called me, it was when I was sitting in my college room one night reading the Bible. Aged 19, I had decided earlier in the year that it was time to read all the Gospels on my own, and at that time I was reading Matthew's. I read chapter 10, 
verses 37 to 9, which conclude with Jesus saying, Anyone who finds his life will lose it. Anyone who loses his life for my sake will find it. That touched a chord and seemed to me to describe the dilemma I faced. Finding everything that a career offered and losing what I valued, or losing what was on immediate offer and finding something else at the hands of God. Seen in those terms, the decision is not difficult. Working that decision through in practice and explaining it to everybody else is much harder. So I gave it a go, thinking I would probably not make it past novice, and to my surprise, I grew into the life more and more. Throughout this book, the call of Christ is the hidden assumption. I say hidden because I won't keep on repeating.